Hi, I'm Rhonda Burns. And I'm Kathleen Harris. And you're, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Slapcast. Hey, everyone, you are in for a treat this month. First, can we just exhale a thank you that it is June? It's warm here. There's more sun. I can now visit my back porch in addition to my home office during the workday for a little variety during what we are now calling the semi-quarantine. <laughs> I say semi because here in Ohio, the stay-at-home order has been lifted, but we have certain guidelines from the governor's office. Those seem to keep expanding, which is good, but before the weather turned, I felt like I was just stuck inside all of the time, and it was actually kind of wearing on me, so I'm so thankful that I have the option now to go outside and not be cold, not be rained on, at least not every day like it was. So really grateful for that. But what I'm really excited about are the guests this month, but more on those ladies in just a moment. So a few reminders, you can find this podcast where all podcasts are found. Do us a favor, like, and subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. And in case you forgot, you can reach us by email, slapcast at relayleadership.org. And you can find us on all the socials at, at Relay Leadership. All right, something else. We have a really awesome public workshop coming up called Care to Live. I've actually been asked to create something like this for probably the last year and a half to two years, and we're finally doing it. This workshop is basically all of the mindset ideas from our flagship program, Care to Lead, but it's all focused on personal development. It's going to debut on June 23rd and 24th. And since we've transitioned all of our programming to a virtual environment, anyone can sign up no matter where you live. It's a six hour workshop, three hours each day. You can learn more by going to relayleadership.com slash care to live. That's R-E-L-A leadership.com slash care to live. Now, to help us plan and coordinate things like email, social posts, and even our podcast guests, we decide on a yearly theme and then break that theme into quarters and months. In June way back in 2019, June of 2020 was slated to be our DEI month, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so back in February, I was able to record a couple podcasts for this month with two local leaders in that space. Now, of course, we could not have known all of the current events that have just taken place with Ahmad Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and so many others. And while this podcast is not directly about those issues, the timing of the discussion could not be more relevant for all of us and especially workplaces. You're going to meet two women who have careers dedicated to diversity, equity, and inclusion. They both work for Nationwide Insurance, which is based here in Columbus, Ohio, obviously has a nationwide presence. Let's get started so you can meet Rhonda Burns and Kathleen Harath. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Rhonda and Kathleen. I am so excited to have you both here. This has been several months in the making, actually. And um, I wanted to give everyone a heads up because this is a two-parter. That means we're going to have such an amazing conversation that we need two whole podcasts for this. And plus, we have these two amazing leaders in the Columbus community from Nationwide that you're going to hear from today. I want the guests to learn about both of you before we really dive into some of the deeper issues. So um, Rhonda and Kathleen both work, as I said, for Nationwide here in town. 
Rhonda is the Associate Vice President, Diversity and Inclusion. And Kathleen, you're the Associate Vice President of Wellbeing and Safety. And ladies, I, I want to hear a little bit more about your roles first. Rhonda, I'll let you start. But Kathleen, I'm sure in, in some ways your roles kind of, um, I don't want to say overlap, but they interact at times. And so feel free to chime in wherever appropriate. But Rhonda, why don't we start with you? Tell us about your role, maybe in a little history, how you got there and why you're doing this. So I've been um, a long time nationwide and um, inclusion has always been something that's been really been important to me. When I joined the organization, I joined in marketing. Then I moved into a regional role, came back to Columbus um, in a national operations role. And now I'm in inclusion in HR. Now I could talk more about all of the things that kind of led to that and the tools I put in my toolbox that made those opportunities um, possible for me. But ultimately what I would tell you is that um, when I say that at Nationwide you can be what you want, that really has been a reflection of how I've experienced it and the opportunities that has ex that have been presented to me that I've had the opportunity to really, really live big into. So now I get to work in inclusion, and this is the work that I get to do, never the work that I have to do. Mm -hmm. I never have to pry myself out of bed to do this work um, because it really, really matters to me. And um, what I'm responsible for, and I can t to give that more context, is all of the diversity and inclusion programming. I'm responsible for the reputational survey work, also for um, diversity and inclusion learning, and all of our inclusion uh, specific strategic sponsorships and events. So does that mean that you, when you say the, the diversity inclusion learning, does that mean you're facilitating workshops, um, development around that topic just in Columbus, or is this something you're going all over the country doing? Across our campuses in the U.S. Okay, okay. And there are three types of learning. There's um, self-study, self-directed. Then there's virtual instructor-led, which we mean more like your webinars. Okay. And then there's in-person. So we try to facilitate a mix of all three across our inclusion learning opportunities. So something you said really caught my attention, that at Nationwide, people can be who they are. Mm -hmm. Were those the words that you used? Did I get that right? I used um, that you can be what you want. Be what you want. Be in terms you want. of your career. But I also believe, and I would say very strongly and, and affirming, that you can also be yourself, be who you are at what, Nationwide. What are some of the ways you do that through your work at Nationwide and really kind of be the champion of that message for the associates? So for me, it really is more about really demonstrating that. I think that people know authenticity um, when they see it. Um, they know when you're being um, transparent and really being yourself. And for me, that has really been something that's been important to me in terms of how I lead, how I show up, how I engage people, is to authentically be myself. Um, there was an opportunity where Kathleen and I had an opportunity to partner in Jeffers around um, a learning session on suicide. And I stood there in a moment really trying to make a determination um, whether or not I was going to be um, transparent. And I, my cousin had um, recently um, committed um, suicide. So I had uh, an opportunity to say whether or not I was going to stand in my truth and yeah. really say that. And um, and I was able to, and and talked more about the impact that that had on me and on my family, and um, 
what my needs were um, from a self-care perspective. And I think I turned to Kathleen when I sat down and I said, was that too much? (laughs) Um, And she affirmed to me, no, that's absolutely just right. And that... um, and that one of the things that she's all that she's appreciated, and I shouldn't say it for her because she's sitting here, but it meant a lot to me in that moment was that one of the things that she's um, appreciated about me was my ability that in those moments when you can phone it in, when you can send in your avatar, or you can try to project the person that you think you should be. Um, I've leaned into the opportunity to really be myself, and it gives other people permission to do that too. And so um, I just really, really try when it'd be easier to to phone it in, to really try to lean into the opportunity to really authentically express Rhonda um, in those moments. And it's worked for me and it's been accepted in our environment. That's wonderful. That, that phrase, send in an avatar, there's so much in there, mm-hmm. right? That when we go to work, oftentimes we are, for whatever reason, fearful that our real self, our whole self, somehow that bringing less than that is our real self or our whole self, when really our whole self includes the flaws, the scars, mm-hmm. the our heartbreak, trauma, um, grief, in this specific case, right? Loss, tragedy. Mm-hmm. And, and it includes wonderful things too, right? Joy, special events, achievements, all of those things. And somewhere along the way, a lot of us have been given the message that, well, the real that we want to see at work isn't the real real, you know, and we send in the avatar. Mm-hmm. So I love that phrase. Mm-hmm. I might use that. I'll give you total credit for that. It's I love okay. it. Yeah, that is good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So Kathleen, tell us about your role. Okay. And how you got there. Uh, I've been at Nationwide a really long time as well. Rhonda and I are going to say we were in the middle school internship program. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm coming up on 30 years. <laughs> and I started as a staff nurse in um, one of our subsidiary businesses doing workers' comp and um, going with people once they'd already been injured on the job and um, or off on disability. And I did that for a couple of years, and what we really started to see was that a lot of our focus, and I think it's still true a little bit in um, – in healthcare, but our focus is on people once they get hurt. Our focus is on people once they are sick. And it's not on the prevention of those things. So about 15 years ago, we really started to look at the data and say, what what are happening in people's lives now that had they done something different 10 years ago, this wouldn't be there. Mm. We could have prevented this heart attack. We could have prevented this case of lung cancer. We could have prevented this stroke. And I had a really unique opportunity to kind of step into a role specifically in internal health and productivity to kind of start a um, program that incentivizes you to really work on your health. And we've been um, really fortunate to have incredible senior leadership, and they have let us really expand that beyond what most companies do in that space with kind of the physical metrics of what are your blood pressure. And not that those things are bad, we do all of those, but also how are you feeling? What's your outlook? Um, Are you isolated? Do you feel lonely? Are you financially stressed? Are you a victim of domestic violence? Our um, assessment and our resources really go into all of those things back 
back to working for a company that really treats the whole person. These things happen. And anyone who's working for a large company that doesn't believe that everything they're reading about in the news isn't happening inside their walls is really living in a state of denial. And they really need to step in and realize that domestic violence happens, chaos happens, right, in people's lives. Um, People are financially stretched to the point that, you know, they are losing everything. Those are not people who are going to want to do wellness programs, right? right? And so I'm really proud of the fact that we've been able to um, really address those things. I mean, we put on-site counselors in place back in 2006 in all of our larger service centers and said, it's okay to get counseling. We want you to get counseling. We're going to make it really easy. And that um, actually this week in Wall Street, uh, in the Wall Street Journal, they said that companies are looking at this new idea to put (laughs) counselors in the workplace. And I was like, 14 years ago new, um, right? So I'm glad that other employers are stepping into it, um, but we've just been really fortunate to have a company that really does, um, as our mission say, provide extraordinary care. And you know that that line, um, the tagline of Nationwide is on your side, is it's, it's not just a tagline. They really believe it. And for Rhonda and I, whose main customers are our associates, we have to be on their side so they can be on our member side. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned incentivizing these wellness programs. Mm-hmm. Along the way of, of starting that initiative, were there incentives that seemed to work better than others? What were those? What are the ones that didn't seem to be utilized? Um, what are some of your experiences? With so there's that? a there's a big debate in the industry about it's called carrot or stick. Do you give mm-hmm. people something or do you punish them? Um, I'm not a big believer in punishment, even though much of the research shows that we all tend to change our behavior when we're faced with loss. Pain is a great motivator. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. jinx, jinx. <laughs> um, But um, but we have taken the approach of uh, that we're going to incentivize and kind of take that carrot. But what we do, um, we have added that's more of a stick is you can't just fill in your blood pressure or your weight. It has to come from a third party. So um, so we have a little bit of a, um, of a mixture of the programs. But for those folks who are enrolled in our health plan, we um, decrease their cost contributions. And then we also um, deposit into their health savings account if they participate. But um, that's for the health plan. For all of our other programs around resiliency and positivity, um, the programs around the brain and the counseling, those are open to 100% of our associates. Okay. So, um, and that's just something that we offer for everyone. So I feel like with both of your roles and a little bit about your story, the way you exemplify the, the mission, even the tagline, if you will, of Nationwide, um, is through living out the idea of nationwide being on your side. I see that as like a leadership and management attribute that you both possess. What are some other leadership attributes that you believe either people in your position or leaders in general need to possess to lead others in the way that you're leading? What what other characteristics need to be intact, knowing that it's not going to be an exhaustive list, but what are top of mind for, for you? You want to go first? Yep. So um, I think honesty, so, um, and I, I, um, I try to live this. I think that one of the things that has happened in companies and, um, and people want to be nice, and mm-hmm. so they know the person isn't 
necessarily the right fit for the role. They know the person maybe doesn't have the skills to take the role where it's going to go, um, but they're going to be nice. And and I've actually heard it said like you know well I, you know I just I'm just trying to be nice. And I personally believe that the nicest thing that we could possibly do for someone is to be honest, right? Agreed. This is a big world, and as Rhonda said earlier, it's a big company. Just because this isn't a good fit doesn't mean I can't help you find something that is a great fit for you and with your skill sets. Nobody wants to come to work and not do really well and not exceed and not excel. So let's be honest. Let's figure out what you want to do and where that fits. And then how do we get you there, right? But sometimes that's a really honest conversation. And it tends to be, um, I think it's one of those fierce conversations Mm -hmm. that sometimes uh, leaders can um, kind of lack that uh, managerial courage. And we've actually, I mean, Nationwide has offered courses on both things so mm-hmm. that we can get people. I mean, I, that's the kindest thing you can do is help someone be successful in what they're doing every day. You know, I'm kind of like Rhonda. I love Mondays. I love coming in. If people don't feel that way and that isn't how they like wake up and want to go to work, then let's find them something that really energizes them. I, I agree with that. Like the both hand is important. I can be honest. But that doesn't mean that I'm not kind. I can't be kind. Yeah. Right. What were mm-hmm. you going to say, Rhonda? I was just going to say that I think that also um, curiosity. So for me, being really curious about um, people, things, the work, one of the things that um, I admire about the, how Kathleen approaches her work is how naturally like curious she is. So we went to lunch one time and she had these brace um these uh i won't call them stimulators yes and i was like what what are those and so she was talking about um and she told me about how she came to them and then all the research that she does like she's like she really enjoys her work and she's mm-hmm. curious about it. So even in her spare time or even in her um, downtime, and it's not, I'm sure not all she does, but she's curious enough about it to invest in her, um, it, that it's fun to actually do more reading, do more research, to really get out ahead. And I think that leaders are really, um, are, I think some of the best leaders are really invested and really curious and enjoy the work that they do. And demonstrating that to people is is important. I think you can endure anything, but, um, well, I don't know that you should, but I think you (laughs) can. But really um, loving your work and curiosity about your work enough to give yourself to it, um, even when you could be doing something else. Um, It doesn't mean that that's always the way to go, but I think it's a mark. Um, for for an inclusive leader, number one, to be curious about other people and things and ideas uh, and topics, but really being curious and care, and have care about your work is key. How, can you expound a little bit further on the idea of curiosity? Because I would agree that curiosity is one of the most important leadership qualities, at least for me. Mm-hmm. How would one apply that same philosophy with differences in the workplace? So for me, it's just... Um, I think for me, I just do it in a way of um, when when you and I met for the first time. It was more about you know I you know tell me about yourself, tell me about your background, and so it just really naturally starts scanning with you, actually not wanting so much to go first and to you know tell your story, but really being curious around um, 
other people, what they think about, what motivates them, what's currency for them. And as a leader, really to maximize and optimize the people around you, you have to know those things. And so there's also a tendency with leadership that there's a feeling that people around you need to all make the adjustments. And there Mm -hmm. is an adjustment that associates and teams need to make to a leader. But part of your responsibility as a leader is to understand what you've got on your bench and how to play to the strengths and how to bring those combinations together holistically. But in key moments, when you need to make a big play, who do I need to pull off the bench? Who I, you know, really understanding that. And that's through asking questions and learning about them. And it happens over time. Rhonda's a question asker. She is. I was going to share one of the most important questions I ever learned from her to ask, which was, tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. When someone says something that I disagree with, because I have, I have strong, you know, positions on certain things and it doesn't necessarily have to be something controversial, but it could be just on any idea. Mm -hmm. And when I'm face to face with someone and they present an idea and my initial reaction side was, well, that's crazy. I don't silly. I'm not, I don't agree with that. Instead, kind of rising above that. And, and even though parts of me are not interested mm-hmm. in hearing more about that, right? If I'm being honest, sometimes I'm like, oh, they are not right about that, right? Instead of saying, say more, you're thinking, say less. Right. right. You, you, you need, as Taylor Swift says, you need to calm down. Um, you're being too loud. But no, but it has helped me even to think it in my head. Yes. Tell me more about that. I'm not quite sure I'm following that. Tell me more. And that's been one of those questions that I heard you say. I don't know if you were, I don't think you were overtly telling me you were talking about something else. And I was like, oh, that's really useful. And it's helped me even just internally when I'm, especially when it's someone that might seem somewhat oppositional to me, um, even if they don't know it, I'm just feeling something on the inside. So very helpful. And that signal that because I've become in tune enough to know that sometimes things start on the inside. Mm -hmm. So when I'm having a strong reaction to something, I feel it in certain places in my body. So as soon as that starts, okay, sister, (laughs) this is an opportunity. So you don't take the first opportunity to talk, try to slow down and really listen. Um, And listen from here and here head and heart, to because there might be something for you to learn or understand, even if you don't agree. Um, but what happens is, is because emotion, things start with emotion first, really. And there's usually something that's driving an emotional response or you're act, reacting to something on a more emotional or base level. So I've really learned to try to um, tune into that. And um, sometimes I'm successful at the slowdown. Sometimes I'm not. Um, but I'm just a person um, on a journey of trying to be the best and most inclusive leader I can be, just like everyone else. One of the books I'm reading right now and that I'm having this, the staff's reading and we're talking through it this year is The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leaders. The very first commitment is radical responsibility. And they have this concept in the book of this below the line and above the line. And what's interesting is when our thinking is below the line, we are committed to being right. Mm. When we're above the line, we're committed to learning. And that the learning is so radical that you get to a place where you say, someone who thinks, believes, and acts totally different than me 
could be just as right as I am. Mm-hmm. That that we actually hold that kind of space in our thinking is is part of that radical responsibility, and um, because that actually leaves space for me too, right? To be wholly right in wherever I am. But as soon as I have to have a winner and a loser. Um, I'm kind of getting below that line because I'm more committed to being right than I am to learning. And I'm telling you what, that was a hard pill. When I read that chapter, I was like, yeah, but what about the, no, even that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's hard. That's mm-hmm. hard on, on depending on what issue or topic you're talking about. Yeah. We used to have a leader uh, at Nationwide who retired who um, would say, don't be so busy being right that you forget to do the right thing. Mm, I like that. Right, because that's what happens. People are like, "I'm driving to right, so I don't care how I treat you. I don't care. I'm not listening. You know, it's just, it's not the right thing." Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, Kathleen, was what you're doing in the mindfulness and health, or mindfulness and mental health space at Nationwide. So um, we started in um, our kind of our total brain back in 2008. And um, it was a a brain cognitive training program. And one of the things that um, we really wanted to do was get people to kind of think about their brain, right? And um, and how does your brain feel healthy? How does your brain feel like if it's in crisis? Um, I use, when I talk to people a lot, I use a continuum of, you know, if it's a scale of one to 10, we know when we've gained a few pounds. You know when your blood pressure has gone up a little bit. You know, you know, if you have it checked, please have it checked. Um, <laughs> that's my PSA for the day. Um, it is Heart Health Month, so. Um, but we don't do that. We don't teach children that. We don't, um, we don't talk about that. Physicians don't talk about that. You know, if you have anxiety, right? Well, what's on a scale of one to 10, one through three, you need to know what that feels like. So if you get to four or five or six, you can get yourself back, right? And we have tools and resources to do that. So we really took our mindfulness really to mental and what we call emotional well-being and really thinking about your brain. And so if you're at four or five or six, you might be able to get yourself back. But if you're at a seven, eight or nine, you might need some help. Unfortunately, everything that we are all facing, we don't do anything till someone's in crisis at a 10. And we really want to change the the continuum at Nationwide, and we want to break the stigma of um, talking about mental health and um, the fact that people can ask for help. We need to stop normalizing misery and start normalizing the conversation around asking for help, and that it's okay to ask for help. And we really, um, we have kind of started to, over the last couple of years, uh, really amplified that message. Uh, last year, we worked with um, Nationwide Children's Hospital and their On Our Sleeves campaign. We're trying to build that in. One of the things we found is that oftentimes we won't do for ourselves what we will do for our children. And so in talking about mental health and the children's mental health movement, I can get people to get help themselves because they'll do it for their children. And we've partnered, Rhonda talked about the event that we did on suicide. And, um, you know, suicide is continuing to grow in the United States every year. Um, The models that predict out are showing that it's going to continue to increase. And after Rhonda, actually, after we did that presentation where Rhonda shared her story, um, we had a huge jump. I think it was an 86% mm-hmm. increase in the number of phone calls into our EAP for people asking for help. So we um, we do measure that. We measure social isolation. We measure loneliness. We measure people's outlooks. Um, obviously, not at an individual level. We'd always want to keep people's privacy. Sure. We really do that. Um, we, what we do is we measure it by the 
kind of the leader at a really high level. And then we look at things that are happening in particular locations, like our larger locations. Um, and we do that for health things as well. But um, so that we're not just spreading peanut butter of programs, right? right? This group needs this and this group needs this. We do that. Um, we've done some work within our um, associate resource groups and, um, and looking at what are the health risks, what are the mental health uh, conversations that we need to have within those different groups, because the, um, the permission to ask for help is different within different groups and it's different within different genders and it's different between mm -hmm. adults and children. Mm -hmm. And so really trying to, to get at, um, at everybody at their individual level. So beyond folks utilizing it more, this, the, um, the employer resource, I didn't get the full name. The, well, we the have the RA. Yeah. Um, the E, the EAP. EAP. Sorry. So beyond the utilization of the EAP, have you been able to track, improvement in things like misery at work to use your phrase and yes. even if that's not what they're measuring but have you have you or has not enough time gone by yet so we do we've we've seen um improvements in both the cognitive kind of brain programs um as well as the um loneliness scores uh we've only really been measuring the social isolation and loneliness for um this will be our second year so we did some intervention last year in positivity and resilience um we've done some different programs with different groups across the the country and the data is now coming in in terms of um, really looking at it and like this is heart health month we talked about blood pressure we talked about heart health but we also talked about befriending your own heart and what does that mean in terms of connecting with people that you work with connecting with people in your lives um, there's some compelling research about the power of loneliness on shortening lives hmm. interesting that's really interesting because we just found the latest Gallup research tells us that for the first time in 18 years employee engagement has actually has an uptick of a couple percentages. And um, it's the highest it's been in 18 years, only by I think two or three more percent. But still, when you think about the American population or the American workforce and getting a 3% improvement in engagement, you're talking about a lot of people right. who are more engaged at work. And it makes me wonder if there's a correlation, causation, if you will, of more and more employers thinking of their employees as these whole human beings, not just the worker bee who comes in and makes the widgets or answers the phone or what have you. And because you see more and more employers taking this approach, um, albeit not specifically the same as nationwide, but the idea that this is a person sitting here who has a life mm -hmm. and we care about them as a human being and implementing more um, programs that help. It just makes me curious that as the years progress, if we're going to be able to see some uh, correlation between employers taking better care mm -hmm. of their employees and overall employer or employee engagement. I mean, if I know my employer cares about me, even if there's parts of my job I don't like, which who of us has 100% of our job that we just love, right? right. There's always a little bit that's just, we, we just think mm -hmm. this sucks. Um, but when I know you care about me, now you're tapping into my discretionary effort because I know that there there's a support system there right, for me. Right, you're an asset. Yeah. Right, and treating your associate as an asset. Taken care of. Yeah. Absolutely, Rhonda. I wanted to talk to you about being intentional mm -hmm. with inclusion, and I don't just mean at work, but personally. Um, I have a little story that I'm going to share, okay. unless you share it first. But I first want you to tell us 
what are some things we can individually do to be more intentional with inclusivity in our lives at work, even in general? So one of the things that I would just say initially is you have to kind of do a little bit of an inventory. And, um, and there's an exercise that I, that I do to help facilitate that, but just really think about who are the people that you trust the most. I mean, people you trust the most. When you really look at them by race, by gender, by generation, by religion, by um, disability or generation, you're going to find theme. And these and these are typically I ask you to think about people that are not family members. Mm-hmm. You're going to find a theme. So when I initially did that um, the exercise, um, you know, my girlfriends and I we look like the you know United Colors of Benetton. So <laughs> it's, I don't have a um, so I didn't see an opportunity around race specifically. But what I realized is that my trusted were all women. Mm. That I didn't have a man that because I'm not married. But again, it's more that there wasn't a man in the mix. I'm like, what, you know, like what's that about? And so you do the examination. And then also that there wasn't anyone in my trusted, in what I would call my trusted 10, that was um, a member of the LGBTQ community. And so I found some opportunities and the generational differences were, were broad, but also even in terms of religion. So some specific areas where I really um, did um, some inventory was I wanted to lean into um, opportunities with um, individuals that would always expand my thinking, that always were positioning me to really exercise across difference. Too often, we want to, um, we want confirmation, we want reinforcement. So we go and we find people that mirror back to us that we're right, that this is is safe, this is, and what you'll find is that it doesn't grow you. And so, I've leaned into that, but some other things I've done. So you got to do the inventory first and be willing to really look at what you see and not make a list of excuses about why it is true mm. and why that you're you're still okay because because of these thi- these things. I really think that for me, um, inclusion um, has really um, grown me as a as a woman, as a person, as a, an associate, as a leader, in a way I don't think anything else can. Your ability to really connect with a person that is different than you, I think as the world really starts to evolve and change, is going to be a leadership superpower. Hmm. Um, if you need sameness and reinforcement and confirmation bias to be all right, the, you're, there's so much that you're gonna miss. The, and so for me, that's what I do. But then the other thing I've done is really said, okay, because I'm an introvert by nature. Most people uh, try to talk me out of that, but that is the, um, the <laughs> truth. I am a, um, an introvert. So when I started to also look at who crosses the threshold of my home, because if you're getting an invitation to my home, I really want you there because I people a lot in my job. And so when I'm at home, that's my sanctuary. So who am I inviting in? So I did that examination we talked about, and I said, okay, so let's broaden the um, the family picture. Let's really look at being intentional about that. And so for me, I did some prayer, and I really, you know, I said, you know, I want to really open my heart to, you know, to difference. So, you know, the door for making connections with um, gentlemen that were more, 
that were friendships and really that I could cultivate trust with. And then um, I met some, met a, um, he's a coworker, um, is a male and also um, a member of the LGBTQ community. And he's um, a part of my trusted 10. Um, and he just happened to come in male and um, in a gay package. And he's in my, um, in my 10. But it was really just trying to keep my heart um, open and asking for it, um, making room for it to come in. And then the other thing I did was um, I built a supplier diversity program for myself, for my own life, for my own economy, because um, also another area where you can tend to not be inclusive and where is where you spend your money. So um, I wanted a, I've never had a female doctor, like gynecologist or just even a general practitioner. Um, so when my doctor, my gynecologist, and did, retired, I loved him, but I was finding me um, a lady doctor. And then I also said, okay, um, when you really look at your physicians, they're probably primarily white, mm -hmm. male, um, and that's and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm simply saying that there's other opportunities to really bring difference into your life um, in a way that you can be intentional about because. Um, diversity is a fact, but inclusion is a choice. You can make a choice, and inclusion only really happens with intentionality. So even when I'm having work done at the house, I really try to make sure either a woman-owned business or a minority-owned business that I'm quoting more than just one company, that I'm really looking for intentional ways to invest my money. I also am buying local and small and trying to find women-owned businesses. Um, and minority-owned businesses that I can consider as well. We can give all our money to Amazon Prime. <laughs> I mean, you can. There's you nothing can wrong with that. I mean, you can try. <laughs> they make it really easy. They make it easy. But also, if you want a thriving local community, absolutely, yeah. you have to think about um, investing local and buying local. And so even, I love makeup. You know, it's a, um, I don't <laughs> happen to be wearing any right now in this moment, but I love the makeups. And um, so I spent time around something I love, identifying Latina-owned makeup brands, Black-owned makeup brands, women-owned makeup brands, um, and smaller, independent makeup brands where I'm, if I'm going to be buying something that I love, that I can be really making sure that I'm supporting small and thriving, um, thriving businesses. So my point is, is that... Um, Inclusion happens with intentionality. And so just really being thoughtful about who you're spending time with. How could that be um, bigger? How could that be different? Because your ability to really, um, like I said, uh, flex across difference is going to be a mark that really makes you stand out in the workplace and really in the community too. So um, those are some things um, that I would say. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us on the Slapcast. Remember, Rhonda and Kathleen are going to be back in two weeks on the next episode. This is a two-parter. But if in between that time you want to reach out to Kathleen or Rhonda, Kathleen can be reached at herat.cat at gmail.com. That's H-E-R-A-T dot K-A-T at gmail.com. And Rhonda says she can best be reached on LinkedIn and she'd love to connect with you there. Just a quick reminder to check out Care to Live at RelayLeadership.com slash Care to Live, June 23rd and 24th, a virtual workshop focused on your personal development. I promise you will not just be encouraged, but you'll be equipped to make lasting personal change. I look forward to seeing all of you on the next episode of the Slapcast. Slapcast.